Section 1 of Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rome by Emil Zola. Translated by Ernest Visitelli. Chapter 1. Part 1. The train had been greatly delayed during the night between Pisa and Civitavecchia, and it was close upon nine o'clock in the morning when, after a fatiguing journey of twenty-five hours' duration, Abbe Pierre Fromont at last reached Rome. He had brought only a valise with him, and springing hastily out of the railway carriage amidst the scramble of the arrival, he brushed the eager porters aside, intent on carrying his trifling luggage himself. So anxious was he to reach his destination, to be alone, and look around him and almost immediately on the piazza dei cinquecento in front of the railway station he climbed into one of the small open cabs ranged alongside the footwalk and placed the valise near him after giving the driver this address via giulia palazzo Bocanera. it was a monday the third of september a beautifully bright and mild morning with a clear sky overhead the cabby a plump little man with sparkling eyes and white teeth smiled on realizing by pierre's accent that he had to deal with a french priest then he whipped up his lean horse and the vehicle started off at the rapid pace customary to the clean and cheerful cabs of rome however on reaching the piazza delle terme after skirting the greenery of a little public garden the man turned round still smiling and pointing to some ruins with his whip the baths of diocletian said he in broken french like an obliging driver who is anxious to court favour with foreigners in order to secure their custom then at a fast trot the vehicle descended the rapid slope of the via nazionale which dips down from the summit of the viminalis where the railway station is situated and from that moment the driver scarcely ceased turning round and pointing at the monuments with his whip in this broad new thoroughfare there were only buildings of recent erection still the wave of the cabman's whip became more pronounced and his voice rose to a higher key with a somewhat ironical inflection when he gave the name of a huge and still chalky pile on his left a gigantic erection of stone overladen with sculptured work pediments and statues the national bank he said pierre however during the week which had followed his resolve to make the journey had spent well nigh every day in studying roman topography in maps and books thus he could have directed his steps to any given spot without inquiring his way and he anticipated most of the driver's explanations at the same time he was disconcerted by the sudden slopes the perpetually recurring hills on which certain districts rose house above house in terrace fashion on his right hand clumps of greenery were now climbing a height and above them stretched a long bare yellow building of barrack or convent-like aspect the Quirinal, the king's palace said the driver lower down as the cab turned across a triangular square pierre on raising his eyes was delighted to perceive a sort of aerial garden high above him a garden which was upheld by a lofty smooth wall and whence the elegant and vigorous silhouette of a parasol pine many centuries old rose aloft into the limpid heavens at this sight he realized all the pride and grace of rome the villa aldobrandini the cabman called then yet lower down there came a fleeting vision which decisively impassioned pierre the street again made a sudden bend and in one corner beyond a short dim alley there was a blazing gap of light on a lower level appeared a white square a well of sunshine 
filled with a blinding golden dust and amidst all that morning glory there arose a gigantic marble column gilt from base to summit on the side which the sun in rising had laved with its beams for well nigh eighteen hundred years and pierre was surprised when the cabman told him the name of the column for in his mind he had never pictured it soaring aloft in such a dazzling cavity with shadows all around it was the column of trajan the via nazionale turned for the last time at the foot of the slope and then other names fell hastily from the driver's lips as his horse went on at a fast trot there was the palazzo colonna with its garden edged by meagre cypresses the palazzo torlonia almost ripped open by recent improvements the palazzo di venezia bare and fearsome with its crenellated walls its stern and tragic appearance that of some fortress of the middle ages forgotten there amidst the commonplace life of nowadays pierre's surprise increased at the unexpected aspect which certain buildings and streets presented and the keenest blow of all was dealt him when the cabman with his whip triumphantly called his attention to the corso a long narrow thoroughfare about as broad as fleet street white with sunshine on the left and black with shadows on the right whilst at the far end the piazza del popolo the square of the people showed like a bright star was this then the heart of the city the vaunted promenade the street brimful of life whither flowed all the blood of rome however the cab was already entering the corso vittorio emanuele which follows the via nazionale these being the two piercings effected right across the olden city from the railway station to the bridge of sant'angelo on the left hand the rounded apsis of the jesu church looked quite golden in the morning brightness then between the church and the heavy altieri palace which the improvers had not dared to demolish the street became narrower and one entered into cold damp shade but a moment afterwards before the facade of the jesu when the square was reached the sun again appeared dazzling throwing golden sheets of light around whilst afar off at the end of the via di araceli steeped in shadow a glimpse could be caught of some sunlit palm trees that's the capitol yonder said the cabman the priest hastily leant to the left but only espied the patch of greenery at the end of the dim corridor-like street the sudden alternations of warm light and cold shade made him shiver in front of the palazzo di venezia and in front of the jesu it had seemed to him as if all the night of ancient times were falling icily upon his shoulders but at each fresh square each broadening of the new thoroughfares there came a return to light to the pleasant warmth and gaiety of life the yellow sun flashes in falling from the house fronts sharply outlined the violescent shadows strips of sky very blue and very benign could be perceived between the roofs and it seemed to pierre that the air he breathed had a particular savour which he could not yet quite define but it was like that of fruit and increased the feverishness which had possessed him ever since his arrival the corso vittorio emanuele is in spite of its irregularity a very fine modern thoroughfare and for a time pierre might have fancied himself in any great city full of huge houses let out in flats but when he passed before the cancelleria bramante's masterpiece the typical monument of the roman renaissance his astonishment came back to him and his mind returned to the mansions which he had previously espied those bare huge heavy edifices those vast cubes of stonework resembling hospitals or prisons never would he have imagined that the famous roman palaces were like that 
destitute of all grace and fancy and external magnificence however they were considered very fine and must be so he would doubtless end by understanding things but for that he would require reflection all at once the cab turned out of the populous corso vittorio emanuele into a succession of winding alleys through which it had difficulty in making its way quietude and solitude now came back again the olden city cold and somniferous followed the new city with its bright sunshine and its crowds pierre remembered the maps which he had consulted and realized that he was drawing near to the via giulia and thereupon his curiosity which had been steadily increasing augmented to such a point that he suffered from it full of despair at not seeing more and learning more at once in the feverish state in which he had found himself ever since leaving the station his astonishment at not finding things such as he had expected the many shocks that his imagination had received aggravated his passion beyond endurance and brought him an acute desire to satisfy himself immediately nine o'clock had struck but a few minutes previously he had the whole morning before him to repair to the bocanera palace so why should he not at once drive to the classic spot the summit whence one perceives the whole of rome spread out upon her seven hills and when once this thought had entered into his mind it tortured him until he was at last compelled to yield to it the driver no longer turned his head so that pierre rose up to give him this new address to san pietro in montorio on hearing him the man at first looked astonished unable to understand he indicated with his whip that san pietro was yonder far away however as the priest insisted he again smiled complacently with a friendly nod of his head all right for his own part he was quite willing the horse then went on at a more rapid pace through the maze of narrow streets one of these was pent between high walls and the daylight descended into it as into a deep trench but at the end came a sudden return to light and the tiber was crossed by the antique bridge of sextus four right and left of which stretched the new quays amidst the ravages and fresh plaster-work of recent erections on the other side of the river the trastevere district also was ripped open and the vehicle ascended the slope of the janiculum by a broad thoroughfare where large slabs bore the name of garibaldi for the last time the driver made a gesture of good-natured pride as he named this triumphal route via garibaldi the horse had been obliged to slacken its pace and pierre mastered by childish impatience turned round to look at the city as by degrees it spread out and revealed itself behind him the ascent was a long one fresh districts were ever rising up even to the most distant hills then in the increasing emotion which made his heart beat the young priest felt that he was spoiling the contentment of his desire by thus gradually satisfying it slowly and but partially effecting his conquest of the horizon he wished to receive the shock full in the face to behold all rome at one glance to gather the holy city together and embrace the whole of it at one grasp and thereupon he mustered sufficient strength of mind to refrain from turning round any more in spite of the impulses of his whole being there is a spacious terrace on the summit of the incline the church of san pietro in montorio stands there on the spot where as some say st peter was crucified the square is bare and brown baked by the hot summer suns but a little further away in the rear the clear and noisy waters of the aqua paola fall bubbling from the three basins of a monumental fountain amidst sempiternal freshness and alongside the terrace parapet 
on the very crown of the Trastevere, there are always rows of tourists, slim Englishmen and square-built Germans, agape with traditional admiration, or consulting their guidebooks in order to identify the monuments. Pierre sprang lightly from the cab, leaving his valise on the seat, and making a sign to the driver, who went to join the row of waiting cabs, and remained philosophically seated on his box in the full sunlight, his head drooping like that of his horse, both resigning themselves to the customary long stoppage. Meantime, Pierre, erect against the parapet in his tight black cassock, and with his bare feverish hands nervously clenched, was gazing before him with all his eyes, with all his soul. Rome! Rome! The city of the Caesars, the city of the Popes, the eternal city which has twice conquered the world, the predestined city of the glowing dream in which he had indulged for months. At last it was before him, at last his eyes beheld it. During the previous days some rainstorms had abated the intense August heat, and on that lovely September morning the air had freshened under the pale blue of the spotless far-spreading heavens. And the Rome that Pierre beheld was a Rome steeped in mildness, a visionary Rome which seemed to evaporate in the clear sunshine. A fine bluey haze, scarcely perceptible, as delicate as gauze, hovered over the roofs of the low-lying districts, whilst the vast Campania, the distant hills, died away in a pale pink flush. At first Pierre distinguished nothing, sought no particular edifice or spot, but gave sight and soul alike to the whole of Rome, to the living colossus spread out below him, on a soil compounded of the dust of generations. Each century had renewed the city's glory as with the sap of immortal youth. And that which struck Pierre, that which made his heart leap within him, was that he found Rome such as he had desired to find her, fresh and youthful, with a volatile, almost incorporeal, gaiety of aspect, smiling as at the hope of a new life in the pure dawn of a lovely day. And standing motionless before the sublime vista, with his hands still clenched and burning, Pierre in a few minutes again lived the last three years of his life. Ah, what a terrible year had the first been, spent in his little house at Neuilly, with doors and windows ever closed, burrowing there like some wounded animal suffering unto death. He had come back from Lourdes with his soul desolate, his heart bleeding, with naught but ashes within him. Silence and darkness fell upon the ruins of his love and his faith. Days and days went by, without a pulsation of his veins, without the faintest gleam arising to brighten the gloom of his abandonment. His life was a mechanical one. He awaited the necessary courage to resume the tenor of existence in the name of sovereign reason, which had imposed upon him the sacrifice of everything. Why was he not stronger, more resistant? Why did he not quietly adapt his life to his new opinions? As he was unwilling to cast off his cassock, through fidelity to the love of one and disgust of backsliding, why did he not seek occupation in some science suited to a priest, such as astronomy or archaeology? The truth was that something, doubtless his mother's spirit, wept within him, an infinite, distracted love which nothing had yet satisfied and which ever despaired of attaining contentment. Therein lay the perpetual suffering of his solitude. Beneath the lofty dignity of reason regained, the wound still lingered, raw and bleeding. One autumn evening, however, under a dismal rainy sky, chance brought him into relations with an old priest, Abbe Rose, who was curate at the church of Sainte Marguerite, in the Faubourg Saint-Antoine. He went to see the Abbe Rose in the Rue de Charonne, 
where in the depths of a damp ground floor he had transformed three rooms into an asylum for abandoned children whom he picked up in the neighboring streets and from that moment pierre's life changed a fresh and all-powerful source of interest had entered into it and by degrees he became the old priest's passionate helper it was a long way from neuilly to the rue de charonne and at first he only made the journey twice a week but afterwards he bestirred himself every day leaving home in the morning and not returning until night as the three rooms no longer sufficed for the asylum he rented the first floor of the house reserving for himself a chamber in which ultimately he often slept and all his modest income was expended there in the prompt succoring of poor children and the old priest delighted touched to tears by the young devoted help which had come to him from heaven would often embrace pierre weeping and call him a child of god it was then that pierre knew want and wretchedness wicked abominable wretchedness then that he lived amidst it for two long years the acquaintance began with the poor little beings whom he picked up on the pavements or whom kind-hearted neighbors brought to him now that the asylum was known in the district little boys little girls tiny mites stranded on the streets whilst their fathers and mothers were toiling drinking or dying the father had often disappeared the mother had gone wrong drunkenness and debauchery had followed slack times into the home and then the brood was swept into the gutter and the younger ones half perished of cold and hunger on the footways whilst their elders betook themselves to courses of vice and crime one evening pierre rescued from the wheels of a stone dray two little nippers brothers who could not even give him an address tell him whence they had come on another evening he returned to the asylum with a little girl in his arms a fair-haired little angel barely three years old whom he had found on a bench and who sobbed saying that her mother had left her there and by a logical chain of circumstances after dealing with the fleshless pitiful fledglings ousted from their nests he came to deal with the parents to enter their hovels penetrating each day further and further into a hellish sphere and ultimately acquiring knowledge of all its frightful horror his heart meantime bleeding rent by terrified anguish and impotent charity oh the grievous city of misery the bottomless abyss of human suffering and degradation how frightful were his journeys through it during those two years which distracted his whole being in that sainte marguerite district of paris in the very heart of that faubourg saint antoine so active and so brave for work however hard he discovered no end of sordid dwellings whole lanes and alleys of hovels without light or air cellar-like in their dampness and where a multitude of wretches wallowed and suffered as from poison all the way up the shaky staircases one's feet slipped upon filth on every story there was the same destitution dirt and promiscuity many windows were painless and in swept the wind howling and the rain pouring torrentially many of the inmates slept on the bare tiled floors never unclothing themselves there was neither furniture nor linen the life led there was essentially an animal life a commingling of either sex and of every age humanity lapsing into animality through lack of even indispensable things through indigence of so complete a character that men women and children fought even with tooth and nail for the very crumbs swept from the tables of the rich and the worst of it all was the degradation of the human being this was no case of the free naked savage hunting and devouring his prey in the primeval forests here civilized man was found sunk into brutishness with all the stigmas of his fall debased disfigured and enfeebled 
amidst the luxury and refinement of that city of paris which is one of the queens of the world in every household pierre heard the same story there had been youth and gaiety at the outset brave acceptance of the law that one must work then weariness had come what was the use of always toiling if one were never to get rich and so by way of snatching a share of happiness the husband turned to drink the wife neglected her home also drinking at times and letting the children grow up as they might sordid surroundings ignorance and overcrowding did the rest in the great majority of cases prolonged lack of work was mostly to blame for this not only empties the drawers of the savings hidden away in them but exhausts human courage and tends to confirmed habits of idleness during long weeks the workshops empty and the arms of the toilers lose strength in all paris so feverishly inclined to action it is impossible to find the slightest thing to do and then the husband comes home in the evening with tearful eyes having vainly offered his arms everywhere having failed even to get a job at street sweeping for that employment is much sought after and to secure it one needs influence and protectors is it not monstrous to see a man seeking work that he may eat and finding no work and therefore no food in this great city resplendent and resonant with wealth the wife does not eat the children do not eat and then comes black famine brutishness and finally revolt and the snapping of all social ties under the frightful injustice meted out to poor beings who by their weakness are condemned to death and the old workman he whose limbs have been worn out by half a century of hard toil without possibility of saving a copper on what pallet of agony in what dark hole must he not sink to die should he then be finished off with a mallet like a crippled beast of burden on the day when ceasing to work he also ceases to eat almost all pass away in the hospitals others disappear unknown swept off by the muddy flow of the streets one morning on some rotten straw in a loathsome hovel pierre found a poor devil who had died of hunger and had been forgotten there for a week the rats had devoured his face but it was particularly on an evening of the last winter that pierre's heart had overflowed with pity awful in winter time are the sufferings of the poor in their fireless hovels where the snow penetrates by every chink the seine rolls blocks of ice the soil is frost-bound in all sorts of callings there is an enforced cessation of work bands of urchins barefooted scarcely clad hungry and racked by coughing wander about the rag pitter's rents and are carried off by sudden hurricanes of consumption pierre found families women with five and six children who had not eaten for three days and who huddled together in heaps to try to keep themselves warm and on that terrible evening before anybody else he went down a dark passage and entered a room of terror where he found that a mother had just committed suicide with her five little ones driven to it by despair and hunger a tragedy of misery which for a few hours would make all paris shudder there was not an article of furniture or linen left in the place it had been necessary to sell everything bit by bit to a neighbouring dealer there was nothing but the stove where the charcoal was still smoking and a half-emptied palliasse on which the mother had fallen suckling her last-born a babe but three months old and a drop of blood had trickled from the nipple of her breast towards which the dead infant still protruded its eager lips two little girls three and five years old two pretty little blondes were also lying there sleeping the eternal sleep side by side whilst of the two boys who were older one had succumbed crouching against the wall with his head between his hands and the other had passed through the last throes on the floor 
struggling as though he had sought to crawl on his knees to the window in order to open it some neighbours hurrying in told pierre the fearful commonplace story slow ruin the father unable to find work perchance taking to drink the landlord weary of waiting threatening the family with expulsion and the mother losing her head thirsting for death and prevailing on her little ones to die with her while her husband who had been out since the morning was vainly scouring the streets just as the commissary of police arrived to verify what had happened the poor devil returned and when he had seen and understood things he fell to the ground like a stunned ox and raised a prolonged plaintive howl such a poignant cry of death that the whole terrified street wept at it both in his ears and in his heart pierre carried away with him that horrible cry the plaint of a condemned race expiring amidst abandonment and hunger and that night he could neither eat nor sleep was it possible that such abomination such absolute destitution such black misery leading straight to death should exist in the heart of that great city of paris brimful of wealth intoxicated with enjoyment flinging millions out of the windows for mere pleasure what there should on one side be such colossal fortunes so many foolish fancies gratified with lives endowed with every happiness whilst on the other was found inveterate poverty lack even of bread absence of every hope and mothers killing themselves with their babes to whom they had naught to offer but the blood of their milkless breasts and a feeling of revolt stirred pierre he was for a moment conscious of the derisive futility of charity what indeed was the use of doing that which he did picking up the little ones succouring the parents prolonging the sufferings of the aged the very foundations of the social edifice were rotten all would soon collapse amid mire and blood a great act of justice alone could sweep the old world away in order that the new world might be built and at that moment he realized so keenly how irreparable was the breach how irremediable the evil how deathly the cancer of misery that he understood the actions of the violent and was himself ready to accept the devastating and purifying whirlwind the regeneration of the world by flame and steel even as when in the dim ages jehovah in his wrath sent fire from heaven to cleanse the accursed cities of the plains however on hearing him sob that evening abbe rose came up to remonstrate in fatherly fashion the old priest was a saint endowed with infinite gentleness and infinite hope why despair indeed when one had the gospel did not the divine commandment love one another suffice for the salvation of the world he abbe rose held violence in horror and was wont to say that however great the evil it would soon be overcome if humanity would but turn backward to the age of humility simplicity and purity when christians lived together in innocent brotherhood what a delightful picture he drew of evangelical society of whose second coming he spoke with quiet gaiety as though it were to take place on the very morrow and pierre anxious to escape from his frightful recollections ended by smiling by taking pleasure in abbe rose's bright consoling tale they chatted until a late hour and on the following days reverted to the same subject of conversation one which the old priest was very fond of ever supplying new particulars and speaking of the approaching reign of love and justice with the touching confidence of a good if simple man who is convinced that he will not die till he shall have seen the deity descend upon earth and now a fresh evolution took place in pierre's mind 
the practice of benevolence in that poor district had developed infinite compassion in his breast his heart failed him distracted rent by contemplation of the misery which he despaired of healing and in this awakening of his feelings he often thought that his reason was giving way he seemed to be retracing his steps towards childhood to that need of universal love which his mother had implanted in him and dreamt of chimerical solutions awaiting help from the unknown powers then his fears his hatred of the brutality of facts at last brought him an increasing desire to work salvation by love no time should be lost in seeking to avert the frightful catastrophe which seemed inevitable the fratricidal war of classes which would sweep the old world away beneath the accumulation of its crimes convinced that injustice had attained its apogee that but little time remained before the vengeful hour when the poor would compel the rich to part with their possessions he took pleasure in dreaming of a peaceful solution a kiss of peace exchanged by all men a return to the pure morals of the gospel as it had been preached by jesus doubts tortured him at the outset could olden catholicism be rejuvenated brought back to the youth and candour of primitive christianity he set himself to study things reading and questioning and taking a more and more passionate interest in that great problem of catholic socialism which had made no little noise for some years past and quivering with pity for the wretched ready as he was for the miracle of fraternization he gradually lost such scruples as intelligence might have prompted and persuaded himself that once again christ would work the redemption of suffering humanity at last a precise idea took possession of him a conviction that catholicism purified brought back to its original state would prove the one pact the supreme law that might save society by averting the sanguinary crisis which threatened it when he had quitted lourdes two years previously revolted by all its gross idolatry his faith forever dead but his mind worried by the everlasting need of the divine which tortures human creatures a cry had arisen within him from the deepest recesses of his being a new religion a new religion and it was this new religion or rather this revived religion which he now fancied he had discovered in his desire to work social salvation ensuring human happiness by means of the only moral authority that was erect the distant outcome of the most admirable implement ever devised for the government of nations during the period of slow development through which pierre passed two men apart from abbe rose exercised great influence on him a benevolent action brought him into intercourse with monseigneur bergerot a bishop whom the pope had recently created a cardinal in reward for a whole life of charity and this in spite of the covert opposition of the papal curia which suspected the french prelate to be a man of open mind governing his diocese in paternal fashion pierre became more impassioned by his intercourse with this apostle this shepherd of souls in whom he detected one of the good simple leaders that he desired for the future community however his apostolate was influenced even more decisively by meeting viscount philibert de la choux at the gatherings of certain workingmen's catholic associations a handsome man with military manners and long noble-looking face spoilt by a small and broken nose which seemed to presage the ultimate defeat of a badly balanced mind the viscount was one of the most active agitators of catholic socialism in france he was the possessor of vast estates a vast fortune though it was said that some unsuccessful agricultural enterprises had already reduced his wealth by nearly one half in the department where his property was situated he had been at great pains to establish model farms at which he had put his ideas on christian socialism into practice but success did not seem to follow him 
however it had all helped to secure his election as a deputy and he spoke in the chamber unfolding the programme of his party in long and stirring speeches unwearying in his ardour he also led pilgrimages to rome presided over meetings and delivered lectures devoting himself particularly to the people the conquest of whom so he privately remarked could alone ensure the triumph of the church and thus he exercised considerable influence over pierre who in him admired qualities which himself did not possess an organizing spirit and a militant if somewhat blundering will entirely applied to the revival of christian society in france however though the young priest learned a good deal by associating with him he nevertheless remained a sentimental dreamer whose imagination disdainful of political requirements straightway winged its flight to the future abode of universal happiness whereas the viscount aspired to complete the downfall of the liberal ideas of seventeen eighty nine by utilizing the disillusion and anger of the democracy to work a return towards the past pierre spent some delightful months never before had neophyte lived so entirely for the happiness of others he was all love consumed by the passion of his apostolate the sight of the poor wretches whom he visited the men without work the women the children without bread filled him with a keener and keener conviction that a new religion must arise to put an end to all the injustice which otherwise would bring the rebellious world to a violent death and he was resolved to employ all his strength in effecting and hastening the intervention of the divine the resuscitation of primitive christianity his catholic faith remained dead he still had no belief in dogmas mysteries and miracles but a hope sufficed him the hope that the church might yet work good by connecting itself with the irresistible modern democratic movement so as to save the nations from the social catastrophe which impended his soul had grown calm since he had taken on himself the mission of replanting the gospel in the hearts of the hungry and growling people of the faubourgs he was now leading an active life and suffered less from the frightful void which he had brought back from lourdes and as he no longer questioned himself the anguish of uncertainty no longer tortured him it was with the serenity which attends the simple accomplishment of duty that he continued to say his mass he even finished by thinking that the mystery which he thus celebrated indeed that all the mysteries and all the dogmas were but symbols rites requisite for humanity in its childhood which would be got rid of later on when enlarged purified and instructed humanity should be able to support the brightness of naked truth and in his zealous desire to be useful his passion to proclaim his belief aloud pierre one morning found himself at his table writing a book this had come about quite naturally the book proceeded from him like a heart cry without any literary idea having crossed his mind one night whilst he lay awake its title suddenly flashed before his eyes in the darkness new rome that expressed everything for must not the new redemption of the nations originate in eternal and holy rome the only existing authority was found there rejuvenescence could only spring from the sacred soil where the old catholic oak had grown he wrote his book in a couple of months having unconsciously prepared himself for the work by his studies in contemporary socialism during a year past there was a bubbling flow in his brain as in a poet's it seemed to him sometimes as if he dreamt those pages as if an internal distant voice dictated them to him when he read passages written on the previous day to viscount philibert de la choux the latter often expressed keen approval of them from a practical point of view saying that one must touch the people in order to lead them 
and that it would also be a good plan to compose pious and yet amusing songs for singing in the workshops as for monseigneur bergerot without examining the book from the dogmatic standpoint he was deeply touched by the glowing breath of charity which every page exhaled and was even guilty of the imprudence of writing an approving letter to the author which letter he authorized him to insert in his work by way of preface and yet now the congregation of the index expurgatorius was about to place this book issued in the previous june under interdict and it was to defend it that the young priest had hastened to rome inflamed by the desire to make his ideas prevail and resolved to plead his cause in person before the holy father having he was convinced of it simply given expression to the pontiff's views pierre had not stirred whilst thus living his three last years afresh he still stood erect before the parapet before rome which he had so often dreamt of and had so keenly desired to see there was a constant succession of arriving and departing vehicles behind him the slim englishmen and the heavy germans passed away after bestowing on the classic view the five minutes prescribed by their guide-books whilst the driver and the horse of pierre's cab remained waiting complacently each with his head drooping under the bright sun which was heating the valise on the seat of the vehicle and pierre in his black cassock seemed to have grown slimmer and elongated very slight of build as he stood there motionless absorbed in the sublime spectacle he had lost flesh after his journey to lourdes his features too had become less pronounced since his mother's part in his nature had regained ascendancy the broad straight forehead the intellectual air which he owed to his father seemed to have grown less conspicuous while his kind and somewhat large mouth and his delicate chin bespeaking infinite affection dominated revealing his soul which also glowed in the kindly sparkle of his eyes ah how tender and glowing were the eyes with which he gazed upon the rome of his book the new rome that he had dreamt of if first of all the ensemble had claimed his attention in the soft and somewhat veiled light of that lovely morning at present he could distinguish details and let his glance rest upon particular edifices and it was with childish delight that he identified them having long studied them in maps and collections of photographs beneath his feet at the bottom of the janiculum stretched the trastevere district with its chaos of old ruddy houses whose sunburned tiles hid the course of the tiber he was somewhat surprised by the flattish aspect of everything as seen from the terraced summit it was as though this bird's-eye view levelled the city the famous hills merely showing like bosses swellings scarcely perceptible amidst the spreading sea of house-fronts yonder on the right distinct against the distant blue of the alban mountains was certainly the aventine with its three churches half hidden by foliage there too was the discrowned palatine edged as with black fringe by a line of cypresses in the rear the celian hill faded away showing only the trees of the villa matei paling in the golden sunshine the slender spire and two little domes of santa maria maggiore alone indicated the summit of the esquiline right in front and far away at the other end of the city whilst on the heights of the neighbouring viminal pierre only perceived a confused mass of whitish blocks steeped in light and streaked with fine brown lines recent erections no doubt which at that distance suggested an abandoned stone quarry he long sought the capital without being able to discover it he had to take his bearings and ended by convincing himself that the square tower modestly lost among surrounding house roofs which he saw in front of santa maria maggiore was its campanile next on the left came the quirinal recognizable by the long facade of the royal palace 
a barrack or hospital-like façade flat crudely yellow in hue and pierced by an infinite number of regularly disposed windows however as pierre was completing the circuit a sudden vision made him stop short without the city above the trees of the botanical garden the dome of st peter's appeared to him it seemed to be poised upon the greenery and rose up into the pure blue sky sky blue itself and so ethereal that it mingled with the azure of the infinite the stone lantern which surmounts it white and dazzling looked as though it were suspended on high pierre did not weary and his glances incessantly travelled from one end of the horizon to the other they lingered on the noble outlines the proud gracefulness of the town-sprinkled sabine and alban mountains whose girdle limited the expanse the roman campagna spread out in far stretches bare and majestic like a desert of death with the glaucous green of a stagnant sea and he ended by distinguishing the stern round tower of the tomb of cecilia metella behind which a thin pale line indicated the ancient appian way remnants of aqueducts strewed the short herbage amidst the dust of the fallen worlds and bringing his glance nearer in the city again appeared with its jumble of edifices on which his eyes lighted at random close at hand by its loggia turned towards the river he recognized the huge tawny cube of the palazzo farnese the low cupola farther away and scarcely visible was probably that of the pantheon then by sudden leaps came the freshly whitened walls of san paolo fuori la mora similar to those of some huge barn and the statues crowning san giovanni in laterano delicate scarcely as big as insects next the swarming of domes that of the gesù that of san carlo that of sant'andrea della valle that of san giovanni dei fiorentini then a number of other sites and edifices all quivering with memories the castle of sant'angelo with its glittering statue of the destroying angel the villa medici dominating the entire city the terrace of the pincio with its marbles showing whitely among its scanty verdure and the thick foliaged trees of the villa borghese whose green crests bounded the horizon vainly however did pierre seek the Colosseum. the north wind which was blowing very mildly had now begun to dissipate the morning haze whole districts vigorously disentangled themselves and showed against the vaporous distance like promontories in a sunlit sea here and there in the indistinct swarming of houses a strip of white wall glittered a row of window panes flared or a garden supplied a black splotch of wondrous intensity of hue and all the rest the medley of streets and squares the endless blocks of buildings scattered about on either hand mingled and grew indistinct in the living glory of the sun whilst long coils of white smoke which had ascended from the roots slowly traversed the pure sky end of section one